0: And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. Matt Alder.me AMA. There's been more of scientific discovery,
1: more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history.
0: Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 494 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Whatever part of the industry you're in, you will be facing uncertain times as we start to move through 2023. On top of the obvious economic factors, talent acquisition is heading into a period of dramatic reinvention. Right in the middle of a trend of TA layoffs, a conundrum at a time of continuing talent shortages and candidate-driven markets. Whether you're looking for a new role, reinventing your existing role, or getting promoted, confidence is critical. It's also something that we don't talk about enough, particularly when it comes to building more of it and dealing with imposter syndrome. My guest this week is Jess Jones, an influencer, content creator, and de talent lead. Jess has recently written a book about building confidence called Own It. Her experience in TA gives her a unique perspective on how we talk, or rather don't talk, about confidence and resilience in our industry, and she has some great advice to share. Hi Jess, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do?
1: Yes. I, do you know what? Every time I get asked this, I never know what to say, even though I do it all the time. Um, I am Jess. I'm a mum of four. I always start with that one because I think that's the biggest job that I do. Yeah. I have been in recruitment for the best part of 15 years, which I worked out this morning, which is a fairly long time. And yeah, I am a content creator as well online. I do all sorts of stuff. Um, I work in the DEI space in recruitment. I'm a dog owner. Oh my gosh, where, where else shall we go with this? Um, there's a lot of plate spinning, um, but I guess my three main hats are mum, content creator, and DNI talent lead.
0: Fantastic. And we're kind of going to talk about all of those, I suppose, in the conversation, but just to talk a little bit about the recruitment bit to start with, tell us a bit more about what you do and your background in recruitment.
1: So I started an uh, agency probably about 13, 15 years ago, um, and I lasted about a year. Um, <laughs> The sales side wasn't for me, but the people and the recruitment and all of that good stuff absolutely was. So I went in-house quite quickly after that um, and have just been in-house ever since. And now really look at... I guess recruitment, hiring, and strategy—really uh, with a DE and I lens—about how can we make processes more inclusive? Are we really, you know, getting to all of the talent everywhere? And so, yeah, that's my focus now. So, it's still fighting the good fight in recruitment, um, but with now a real focus on DE and I. What part of that plays? Whether it's part of the employer branding or you know process. So that's what I'm doing now.
0: Now you mentioned. The beginning there that you're also content creator online and I actually came across you via your online content and I had no idea that you worked in recruitment (laughs) so (laughs) um, it's just kind of interesting that those worlds have collided tell us about your work as a creator what what you do why'd you do it how did you get to do
1: it? I guess it's a bit like recruitment. You know, when everyone goes, how did you get in recruitment? And you go, I kind of just fell into it, which I think is like everybody's answer. That was probably the same for me in content creating. So a few years ago, and it is a few years ago now, I think it was back in 2016, 2017. I always had something to say. And a friend of mine said, why don't you start a blog? And I was like, I don't know. And so I did. And it initially just started with me pestering all my friends and family I'm going, can you, can you share my blog? Can you read my blog? Can you look at what I've posted? And it kind of grew from there. And it started out just being, I guess I just wanted a place where I could be myself because I, th- I guess in its entirety to give it some context, I talk a lot about confidence and self-development. And I was in a place where I probably wasn't that confident at the time. And I wanted an outlet where I could probably be a bit more authentic and share a bit more. And so I created almost this alter ego, I guess, um, and started sharing from there. And it grew and it grew. And I shared my journey. I shared, you know, the journey of becoming a parent to more children and my life. And it grew and it's now become a pretty cool thing to be fair I've written a book now um I've got a really incredible online community it's kind of collided with my recruitment world as well so I do a lot of keynote speaking around confidence and actually confidence in your career and it has just probably done far more than I ever thought it would um from the days I was going mum can you share this with your friends I've written this thing and it's now pretty epic uh if I don't say so myself (laughs) (laughs)
0: Absolutely. So, tell us about the book because um, you know I think that's a really interesting topic in terms of um, how we can sort of relate, you know, relate all this back to to to, to recruitment for everyone listening.
1: So originally, and and this is where I it's probably a bit strange, but it really. Shifted into all making a bit more sense and really light. I started writing it because I wanted to feel more confident in myself, probably more around body image and and you know the pressure that we face to look a certain way. That's where it all started, and I I wanted this journey. And then I realised quite quickly, having more confidence in yourself. And believing in yourself actually affected every single aspect of my life, not just wearing a smaller dress, but actually it affected my career. It affected how I felt about my parenting, what kind of friend and wife I was, Um, but it actually had the biggest impact on, on my career. And so I started to share more and more actually about not just changing how you feel about your body or your image but just how you feel about yourself and empowering yourself to have the confidence to make big decisions, even when you feel like you can't. Um, I went through a phase where I had a really bad experience where I worked and I was bullied quite significantly. And it was a really awful experience and it knocked my confidence and self-esteem massively. And this was just before I started my blog. I realized the changes that I was making in my life, were having this really great positive impact on the jobs I was applying for and the jobs I was landing and how I performed in interviews and how I dealt with clients it just had this huge impact so it kind of all aligned um, and merged into one and so that's kind of the basis of the why and how it all I guess has aligned uh, to being one big thing rather than two separate things. And what's the book called? So my book's called Own It and I try and take that with me in everything I do. And the reason why it's funny, because I wrote a a post-it note um, years ago um, saying, I want to be the girl that owns it. And then when I got this incredible email about, oh, would you consider writing a book? Um, we really think you're someone who owns it and we'd love to call it something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wrote this post-it note years ago about wanting to be this person who owned it. And it's about owning every aspect of you, the parts of you that you love, you know, the strengths that you have and really owning those and being comfortable and confident in sharing them, but also owning the parts of you where you want to develop more or learn more. And I don't call them weaknesses because I think they're just areas of development, but Owning those parts of you too, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it looks like, and owning yourself in your entirety so you can be your authentic self and bring that forward in your job, in your life. Because I really have seen in myself the change that that can make to how how your life looks and and what your career looks like.
0: I think it's really interesting in the context of work because... We don't talk about confidence in the workplace very often. If you kind of trawl through LinkedIn and all the topics that everyone's bringing up about uh, the world of work, confidence, imposter syndrome, those things—they don't come up as often as people actually are affected by them. If that—if that, if that makes—if that makes sense, what, what's your perspective on confidence in the workplace?
1: Oh, it has such an impact on everyone. And I think it starts from the very, very beginning. Like, have you got the confidence to even apply for that job? And um, When people look at jobs, and I did this years ago, when you were looking at jobs, you're like, oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, I'm not sure if that's right for me. Having the courage and the confidence to actually click apply starts from there. And then it feeds all the way through your career at work. You know, whether you're a person who has to present, whether you're a person who has to speak up in meetings, it has an impact on so much. And so many people are so brave brilliant at what they do but are often overlooked uh, because they haven't got the confidence to say something or to to kind of put themselves forward and I realized that actually when I shared my journey and when I shared actually this is this is the change I'm making in my life and when I started to put my hand up in meetings and have the confidence to say actually I've got this idea it had such a huge impact on just my career in general and how much I could you know I don't like saying make my way up the ladder, but ultimately get a promotion and work on my career in its entirety. And I don't think we talk about it enough. I think there's an expectation we have that if someone's in a certain role, they're just naturally confident. Or if someone's in a leadership position that you know, they just know what they're doing and they're confident in what they're doing. And that is absolutely not the case. Most people I know are going, I'm totally faking this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm nervous. I'm worried. And actually, we really should spend some time investing in empowering people to feel more confident because I think when we do that and they bring their best selves, gosh, it just makes such an impact on the work people deliver and how they feel about being at work. And I think that's so important. And we definitely don't talk about it enough.
0: And it's such a disrupted time in talent acquisition. And I know lots of people listening will be, you know, they may have been laid off. They may be applying for new jobs. They may be looking for that promotion. They may be finding themselves in the job they've got doing things that they've never done before. So I I think this is an issue that is going to affect probably a large proportion of the people who are listening how can we build more confidence? You know, are there tools or techniques or ways of thinking to be more confident?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I always say to people is show yourself the grace to know that you're not going to wake up tomorrow and be a completely changed person. And this took me, and it's not to discourage anyone, but it took me years to really build up the confidence and to to feel empowered to do some of the things that I do. So I think the first thing is to show yourself the grace and the patience to know that it's, it's a pretty, pretty big change. I always used um, an analogy about snakes and ladders. And I think with how the industry is at the minute and just the world, you can often feel like you climb up this ladder and then you land on a snake and kind of whiz yourself all the way back down again. And that might be you apply for a job, you feel really great. And then for whatever reason, you don't land it and your confidence takes a massive knock and you feel like you're back to square one. And it's in those moments to know that actually, there are still ladders to climb and you will still be able to get to where you need to. One of the the best things I ever did um, was I listened to a book by Mel Robbins um, called The Five Second Rule and I swear by it for, for so much. And ultimately what she says is when you want to make a decision, you w- often talk yourself out of it and whether that's speaking up in a meeting applying for a job you know saying something in an interview putting yourself forward for something so she says count down from five and by the time you get to one you need to just do it and so I started doing that at work in meetings I would sit there and everyone knows this you want to say something you talk yourself out of it and then someone else says it and you're like oh I should have just said something and you get really frustrated at the person who said it or the, the moment passes and, and the point you wanted to make it, it's just not worth making anymore. And I used to get so discouraged by that. So I thought, right, I'm going to use this rule. So I'd sit in a meeting and I'd go five, four, three, two, one, and I'd just put my hand up or I'd say, Oh, you know, actually I've got an idea here. And the first time was absolutely excruciating. I was so nervous. I remember my heart feeling like it was going to explode, but I felt so empowered and so proud. So I tell everyone, five second rule, five, four, three, two, one, go for it. Five, four, three, two, one, go for it. And don't talk yourself out. Don't give yourself a chance to talk yourself out of it. And that's a real practical uh, tip. I use it before I go on stage. I use it in meetings. I still use it day to day. And I think it's such a great tool. And probably one of the other things is, particularly with imposter syndrome, don't kind of discredit the courage and the bravery it's taken for you to land that space or to end up in that room. I think we often think, oh, everyone else in here knows what they're talking about and everybody else in here is going to be better than me. Or if you're in an interview room or, you know, naturally you'll be nervous. But I think we discredit what it's taken to get into that room in the first place or to land that role or to get that promotion. We discredit that so quickly and get so overcome with what we can't do or what everyone else is better at doing. And so I think affirming to yourself, actually, it's pretty blimmin awesome that I've got this far and I've been brave enough and courageous enough and confident enough to get myself into the room in the first place and affirming that and really appreciating that from ourselves. I think we often forget to do and reminding ourselves of that can be really key.
0: A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W O N O L O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on demand, seasonal, short term and long term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com pod. That's www.wonolo.com o l o dot com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers absolutely i think it's that process of realizing that no one else knows what they're doing either.
1: <laughs> no one does do they everyone always goes oh, yeah, i'm totally winging it <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think I think it's worse now than it than it was in the past because you've got everyone is kind of putting this kind of perfect branded version of themselves out on social media in terms of you know both in terms of the personal stuff, but also you know you see it on LinkedIn all the time with uh, people running these amazing businesses and having these amazing journeys and and, and all this kind of stuff. So you know, I, I think it's something that is that, that that is probably even more difficult than it used to be.
1: Yeah, and I think I really try to bring my authentic self or whatever I do and be really honest and transparent and that isn't always easy because there's a level of vulnerability that you have to be prepared to be you know you, you have to be ready to show that and it's not always easy particularly if you're in a leadership role you know traditionally we were think leaders are strong they know what they're doing and you know and yeah you know no one wants to get on a plane with a pilot who isn't confident they can fly it's really important that people I guess understand that not everyone's got the answers and it doesn't make you any less good at what you do I think having the confidence to admit that you don't always have the answers but you're willing to go and learn them is is brilliant and I think we often don't appreciate that enough we want to see the final product we want to see you know what everyone's successes are but no one wants to show the gritty messy bit that it took to get to that point. And I think we need to do more of that sharing. And I try and do more of that sharing. I try and be really honest. And you know, I don't have the answer for that, but I'm more than willing to go and find out so I can then share that information and knowledge with you. And be willing to do that. No one's perfect. I get really sick of seeing everybody pretend that we've all got it together and we all know what we're doing. But I think being vulnerable is really difficult. And most people shy away from that because it's a very uncomfortable feeling but it's one we have to get used to in order to really create change
0: yeah and i think because of the pace that things move at now in terms of new technologies new ways of working all that all that kind of stuff it's um people have to do that to keep up with what's going on and i've I've had a couple of other who've come on the show before talking about the the importance of curiosity um, in terms of finding stuff out and and all these kind of things, and I guess that that flip side of curiosity is vulnerability to say, well, I don't know everything, and I need to find out more about what's going on.
1: Yeah, and I think as leaders and people who are in in senior leadership roles, we come across this quite a lot, particularly when, for example, if I'm doing a DEI training, and uh, it's across the board, and you'll have CEOs in the room, you'll have you know junior staff in the room, and most leadership teams will go, Oh, we're not sure we want to be in that altogether because I don't know the answers to that. And and I say, Well, that's the point. <laughs> in order to to create change, you have to be prepared to be vulnerable and show everyone in your business and everyone in your team that you're leading, that it's okay to not always know the answers. But what's really important is that having the confidence to show up and to want to know more and lead by example. I think it's really difficult. I even do it in my parenting. I always say to the kids, "I don't know the answer. Why don't we go and find that out together?" Because we don't all have the answers, um, and I think it's okay to admit that. And and really, we need to kind of shake this. If you're a CEO, if you're a leader, you have the answers for absolutely everything, and you know exactly what you're doing all of the time. Uh, because that's just not true, and we really need to kind of get rid of that and and kind of open the doors to say, right. Let's all just kind of learn this together, and that's not to say your team aren't going to trust you because you don't have all the answers. I think it's how you handle that and how you show up about that that makes the difference about whether people still want to follow you as a leader or not.
0: You mentioned your your work in DNI there. Um, sort of just, I suppose, just, you know, changing gear slightly. What's on your sort of radar for for, for this year in terms of? d&i and talent acquisition what what trends are you seeing what should em- how should employers be thinking about it
1: i think there's there's a lot i'm really excited and have kind of got really weirdly techy about how ai is going to really impact um, talent acquisition and just how we work uh, and what recruitment processes are going to look like as people really navigate using AI to do so much stuff. I, I'm not a massive tech. I still people. I'm still really strongly believe in people and people and all that connection. But as it kind of grows and develops, it's really interesting to see how that's going to impact how people recruit and, and what parts of the process are going to start being automated and AI is going to kind of get involved there. I think also there's this massive shift, and I've really seen this in some of the strategies that we're doing and some of the clients that we're serving and what they're looking for is... A real push on empowering employees to really get that internal mobility. I think we forget about that in TA a little bit because a lot of it is obviously reactive to recruiting and, you know, scaling up and getting people in or replacing someone when they leave. But there's a real, I guess, lack of focus sometimes on that internal mobility piece. And that is still all around managing talent and. I think there's going to be more of a focus on how can we empower employees? How can we really make sure people feel like they belong? How can we really create accessible pathways within our workplace? Um, and I love doing that stuff because I think that's just so important. And I think there's going to be a bit more of a focus on that. I hope there's more of a focus on that because I think that's really exciting. And you get the retention. You get all that really positive stuff when people feel like they belong and can see those pathways, but not just see them, they're accessible to to everyone because that's the other part of it isn't it that that people go well we've got these pathways and we've got this and we've got that but how accessible is that to the people in your business and actually can they see themselves in your leadership team can they see that pathway for themselves um so I think there's going to be a lot of leveling up on empowering employees employee wellbeing, um and really that internal mobility piece
0: Just switching to kind of recruitment marketing, employer branding, one of the the things that I saw a number of organisations do last year, particularly in their college recruiting, was really partner with creators and influencers to target diverse audiences, get more talent into their organisation, you know, really kind of get people thinking about their brand. Do you think as someone who works in recruitment and is a creator and influencer, you know I'm just really interested to get your perspective on that. Is that something that you think more organisations should be doing? Is it something that's effective? You know, wh- wh- what do you what do you think about it?
1: Yes, no, everything, and it'll always be the same. Is who are you trying to target and where are they? And asking yourself that question, particularly for those early career um, pathways, so your apprenticeship schemes, your graduate programs where are those candidates and ultimately majority of them are online um, in the social media space so actually that is probably where you need to target because that's where your people are but it depends on the role it depends on on the brand but I definitely think there should be more I guess more of that I, I speak to some of the brands that I work with in I guess more of a creator space but I often say to them I'd love to see more about who you are as a brand. Why don't you get creators to come in and do, you know, behind the scenes? What does it really look like to work here um, and share that content out and share, you know, what your culture's like and all of this really great positive stuff. And some have been like, yeah, and others have been like, oh, that doesn't make, really make sense because they're two separate things. But they're not. <laughs> they're not in their entirety if, if the audience are in on social media, then actually, they're not two different things. So I think it's asking yourself, you know, where are the people we're trying to target. And yeah, if your people are going to be on social media, absolutely get more involved in that. I think people want to see the more authentic, real, you know, laid back version of it versus the kind of really polished. This is what it's like to work here um, that we often see online. I think people just want to see what the reality is and and see that from someone they trust. Um, And most people will trust the creators that they see and and follow. So I definitely think it's something people should consider.
0: Final question, where can people find you and your content and your book?
1: Oh gosh, where can you find me? LinkedIn. (laughs) LinkedIn is is the first one, Jessica Jones. On any other social media platform, and people always question me about my um, blog handle, but it's (laughs) at the fat funny one which I always say, yes, no, no, that is, that is right. Um, so it's at the Fat Funny One. And also uh, book wise, um, any major retailer, so uh, Waterstones, Rich Smith, Amazon, which I think is on offer at the moment. So definitely check it out there. Um So yeah, any major re- retailer. Um, but I think, yeah, that's it. And of course, on this episode, you can find me.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Jess, thank you very much for talking to me.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: My thanks to Jess. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at RecruitingFuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me.
1: This is my show.